Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Welcome to the Kyle Costa Show. I'm Kyle Costa. It's been a minute. I apologize. Went on my first vacation in several years, stayed away from the internet, was cathartic, stayed away from many of the hot takers, realized how unessential they are to the entire human experience, being alive, really put some stuff in perspective, you know, doing a little peyote, looking out at the ocean. We're back. Everybody's back. Aggravated already. Two days is all it took for the zen that I had found the perfect centering to give way to a smattering of insecurities, outrage, anger, frustration with people getting mad about something, getting mad about other people getting mad about the first thing, backlash to the backlash, backlash to the backlash to the backlash to the backlash to the backlash. All this to say, it's great to be back. We're going to talk a little NBA. We're going to talk instant replay. Last night, thrilling game two of the Western Conference Finals between the Clippers and the Suns. DeAndre Ayton wins it for the Suns to give Phoenix a 2-0 series lead with an inbound dunk. Fantastic action back and forth. Heroic play by Paul George. Paul George, clutch player uh, until he gets to the free throw line. Chris Paul, greatest leader ever, not even important to be on the court to win the MVP. We'll see. That is something we're going to be hearing a lot about going forward. But I want to start with the unbelievable 90 seconds of game time that closed game two and how it took 32 minutes of actual time to play. And this was due to interminable replay reviews we had several that marred what was a thrilling back and forth high stakes theater the theater of the moment gives way to this dead air where everybody goes to the bench and we're forced to interact with 14 different replays showing something from 14 different angles looking to discern If someone's fingernail touched a ball, if a play was a basketball play, basically taking the entire enjoyment of the sport away. And I have to say, we are now at a place this morning where I have never been more confident that everybody is miserable about replay across all sports. And it does not make me feel happy that I was right as someone who at the outset warned about exactly what was going to happen, how it was going to ruin everything. Instead, I feel just angry and disappointed that nobody wanted to listen on the front end because when the very logical and reasonable and ultimately truthful 
predictions about what replay would do, how it would take away from enjoyment, how plays that were never meant to be officiated a certain way were officiated in the game's most crucial moments after being officiated a different way for the 99% of the game that led up to it, you were seen as kind of this Luddite, as this person who was afraid of technology, who didn't want to get things right. The platonic ideal of getting things right was pushed to the top of, of the Manslow's needs triangle and everything was pushed aside. But what people did not realize was that getting it right is not the ultimate goal for officiating in sports. The ultimate goal for officiating in sports is getting it right within the context of the game. Officiating is an art as much as it is a science. Officials are there to facilitate a relatively fair game played by accepted rules by tradition in these leagues. They are thoughtful in the way that they interact with the game. And a lot of people don't like that. We had a situation earlier this year where the NHL fired an official for being caught on a hot mic talking about how he wanted to give a penalty to a certain team early in the game. And this was shocking and appalling for a lot of people, but not to anybody who's paid attention to any of these sports throughout the decades and decades of, of, of viewership. Officials point the game in the right direction. They are essentially the directors and de facto producers of the game. They are the ones who call cut. They decide when one scene ends and another begins. It's a very important job. And outsourcing it to artificial intelligence, to cameras, to people thousands of miles away from the action opens up a Pandora's box to these two divergent worlds butting up against each other and leaving everybody frustrated because what we saw in the last 32 minutes of real time marred what was a fantastic game and became a large talking point the morning after the Suns walk away with what has to go down as one of the most crucial out-of-bounds executions in NBA basketball history. We're talking about the replays. We're talking about something we're frustrated about. And this isn't a victory lap. I'm Like I said before, I'm not happy that my fears and concerns about replay came true. Uh, I'm not sick, not demented. That doesn't do a lot for me. Um, but I'm wondering if maybe going forward, there's something that can be done when people take the long view on something, uh, the newest, shiniest thing, and look down the road and point to potential problems that may arise in five years, in four years. Because predicting that replay would take a lot of the heart and soul and tradition out of sports and bastardize rules to the point where we are examining film like it's the Zapruder footage 
for context clues for little tiny things that we may have missed to support these unbelievable conspiracies. All of this was entirely predictable. Entirely predictable. But those people who wanted to stand in the way of progress eventually got run over by momentum to get things right. And here we are years later and everybody's kind of miserable and frustrated and come along to the point where, hey, maybe this wasn't such a good idea. It's as though a group of people were forced into buying a timeshare with another group of friends. And guess what? Now we're all making payments on something that we don't really enjoy and we have a lot of regret about and we don't know how to get out from under. Because taking replay out of the game is going to be a much more drastic step than putting it into the game. It's really tough to put that toothpaste back in the tube. I think a lot of people thought that if problems arose from replay, we would simply address them in the moment. And that sounded good. And it's always good to push your solutions further down the road and and leave that to a future version of you or future version of the league, future version of players association to solve. It's a great strategy. If you're looking to win the debate, not a great strategy in real life because that's where we are right now. We're talking about instant replay. Again, every single league, invariably, we come the morning after a pivotal game with unbelievable storylines, and the oxygen is sucked out of the room because we need to discuss what replay has done and is doing and will continue to do for the viewership experience. If only someone would have warned us about this. Chris Paul has been criminally underrated for his entire career. He's been operating largely in the shadows, a fringe character in the NBA's postseason, never advancing to the rounds where we start to debate legacy. And now he has. He's been the ultimate winner without winning anything. He's transformed franchises. He makes everybody he plays with better. He's six feet tall, and yet he's a giant. He's a throwback, and yet he has always found ways to resonate with the next crop of young players. What he's painting now in in Phoenix is his masterpiece. And the Suns, as we sit here today, have a better chance of winning the NBA championship than any other team. We're a few weeks into the, hey, we were wrong about Chris Paul, Mia Culpas. Let's give him his roses. And it's long overdue. One element of this, though, is that You've seen 
as we always see when a topic becomes the consensus, when a take becomes the consensus take, the only way to stand out in the crowd is to go overboard, to be more mad about something or more happy about something or to take something to the extreme. And therefore we have a little bit of Chris Paul backlash from people who think he perhaps is getting a little bit too much credit, especially considering that Phoenix has won the first two games of the Western Conference without him. You'll see it today and you'll see it going forward until he returns, which could be the next game. But the people who are going too far on Chris Paul and ascribing him these magical qualities and painting him as the MVP of two games he didn't even play. They're not wrong. They're just stating the obvious. This Phoenix team is in the play-in tournament without Chris Paul. There's absolutely no doubt that he has taken a young core and elevated all of their games. Devin Booker. Long seen as this empty stats guy unfairly has proven to be a killer. And he's done that by listening to Paul. Campaign. Campaign! A non-factor in the league is out there scoring a game-high 29 points (laughs) in the Western Conference Finals. DeAndre Ayton has moved right into his role. You can go down the list with this Suns team. Listing names that aren't Chris Paul who are on the court. But just because he's not out there doesn't mean that he's not out there. In back-to-back games, as soon as the final whistle sounded, the Suns stars got on FaceTime to talk to their leader. Because even if he's not on the hardwood, he's still the leader. And even if his heart rate isn't rising to play with his teammates, he's still the heart and soul. In sports, we talk about leadership, which we all agree is important. Leadership happens 95% of the time between games. It happens on the edges. It happens in ways that aren't as identifiable as someone learning how to run the pick and roll. It's a slow burn. And what you're seeing is the manifestation of a full year of Chris Paul, effectively being a player coach, effectively being a player mentor, effectively reaching his players in a way that his good friend LeBron James has through different tact. We love to build people up and tear them down. And the foundation for these Chris Paul is underrated. Chris Paul is an all-time great point guard. The foundation for all these takes has been so slow to get going. And now it's building a little bit too quick for people. 
No. No way. Just because you couldn't see what Paul was building all these years doesn't mean that others can't enjoy the view. And just because he's not out there in the box score doesn't mean that he's not most responsible for winning. The Philadelphia 76ers blew it. They will never have a better chance to reach the NBA Finals. They will never have a better chance to win the NBA Finals. The end of the process came painfully, and it came on the shaky hands of Ben Simmons. As Doc Rivers and Simmons, suffering through a crisis of confidence, almost unprecedented in recent professional basketball, passing up dunks to pass, refusing to shoot the basketball when the play dictated that he needed to shoot, being a non-factor. This was the guy the franchise didn't want to trade for James Harden just months ago. Now, They need to decide what to do going forward. And it's a lot to process because Simmons is still a tremendous defender. He's still a unicorn at six foot 11, being able to handle the ball like that. He still has value, but hearing Joel Embiid and doc rivers rush to throw him under the bus post game. It's clear that Ben's future does not lie in Philadelphia but with a franchise with enough hubris to think that they can fix him. And there will be a team that takes Philly up on a reasonable offer because Simmons is not yet 25. He's not this unfixable product. If he ever develops a reliable outside jumper, he's an all NBA player. Discussion right now is growing that he shoots with his wrong hand. That he should be firing up Jays with his right instead of his left. Analytics suggest that nearly 70% of his shots come via the right hand. Although those are near and dear to the basket. He'll go into another offseason and we'll see videos of him working out with a trainer. Knocking down open Jays from 20 perhaps 23 feet. Those will come and go. And when he takes the court next year, more than likely, he will not be a three-point weapon. Simmons, the number one pick out of LSU, may be the weirdest basketball player we have seen this millennium. He's single-handedly bringing the sport back to a time before it was revolutionized by the Steph Curry Warriors and the three-point shot. He played at LSU one season after the Splash Brothers broke all existing narratives by hoisting trays and then hoisting the Larry O'Brien. 
It was weird in Baton Rouge, too. The Australian product shot three three-pointers, making one from the shorter collegiate line. That make came against Charleston. LSU bowed out of the SEC tournament early, did not make the big dance. And yet Simmons, untapped potential, a body to mold, made him the consensus number one pick. The Sixers obliged. And, to be fair, was not their biggest miss with such a pick. That honor going to Markel Fultz. Some corollaries there. Drafting guys first overall who cannot put the ball in the basket from a decent distance away in today's NBA has proven to be a bit deleterious. But Simmons is just crazy. His skill set is unique, but the way that he's chosen to go about being the primary ball handler in today's NBA defies logic. In an era where the three-point shot has become far superior, far more important than the two-point, Simmons is 5 for 34 in his career. He's 0 for 2 in the playoffs. It doesn't even make sense. His allergy to the triple try spread to the mid-range at the worst time. He was a non-factor in every fourth quarter. His team was playing four on five. It was a disaster. The next chapter of his career will be fascinating. And it's impossible to predict because we've seen no evidence that he can do the one thing that he needs to do. And we've seen plenty of evidence that he cannot be the number one option on a team with championship aspirations without adding that element. So you kind of have an immovable object versus an unstoppable force situation here. Having said all that, do you really feel confident saying that Simmons is done? That he won't reinvent himself? It's crazy to think that this could be the best thing that ever happened to him. But I think there's an argument to be made that that's what will happen. Building around Simmons his strengths, and more importantly, his weaknesses gives him a chance to shed all that Sixers baggage. It gives him the chance to put the unfortunate crisis of faith, shirking of the big moment, letting his teammates down, becoming vilified, dealing with all that personal mental anguish, which cannot be easy. It gives him a chance to put all that in the rearview mirror and move on, on his terms. And on terms that his new team understands his limitations and more importantly, his potential. Would I be 100% shocked if Simmons comes out next year shooting outside 
shots with his right hand? No. Would I be shocked if he made 30% of those opportunities? Say maybe six a game? The answer to that, also no. Ben Simmons, the player, is super weird. And we can all talk until we're blue in the face about what his future holds. But we're kind of flying blind. Because I don't think he knows. The Sixers don't know. There's no blueprint. There's no case study here. Simmons is one of one. His math is different. It might just not include the number three. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.